This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's not all that often that in the middle of worship um, I get goosebumps and tears. Um, But the moment we just had about our love for God being so deep and just the mental picture of sitting by him, leaning against him, feeling his heart beat. There are very many people you're going to do that with. And to think that we could do that with the Son of God is pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. And I was thinking that, um, you know, if we just fold up shop and went home right now, there's a tremendous message in that. Now we're not going to do that, but uh, uh, because I have some things I want to teach you this morning, and I'm very excited to teach you. I, I want to say a couple things before I get into that. Uh, first of all, for those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we are a congregation that's always blessed with new people every Sunday, and uh, we don't take that for granted. And uh, even if you're just visiting, you're in town, you're visiting relatives or whatever else, um, this is not a disposable service, okay? God has a reason for you being here. And uh, our prayer is that you don't miss that, and we don't miss that either. Because uh, as I was praying with some people earlier this morning as we were preparing, the truth is, if God doesn't show up, then it really doesn't make any difference how many times we pray or what we sing or what I say, if God doesn't show up, it's not church. Is everybody on board with that? Yeah, that's the way it is. And so we pray that God will show up today. And I've prayed that you will open your heart to him and that I will open my heart to him. Because even if God shows up, if we don't connect with him, then it really didn't do us any good to be here. And I'm trusting that you're connecting with him already. And uh, so I want to invite you along on that process. If you want to open up your programs on the inside of your programs, you will find a sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes, and we'll work our way through that because I have some things I want to teach you, but I want to say it's great to be back. Been on vacation recently, and it started out with, um, with a spiritual development retreat that Monica and I went to Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. And uh, we got surprised by a bunch of people from New Life and elsewhere coming to our bedroom on Sunday morning and uh, surprising us with a, with a gift. And um, that was a whole lot of fun. And uh, I won't tell you any more about it than that, okay? Uh, but it was a great time. We had a great time of being alone with God, being alone with God's people, and um, sitting and reflecting and doing a lot of what we just did. Um, and then we headed off to see our son and his family from Hawaii, and that was a whole lot of fun, and our two grandkids that live in Hawaii, we spent two days with Mickey down at Disneyland. That was fun. And uh, a little unexpected surprise, we drove about 1,500 miles on I-5. Beautiful I-5. Now, I'm not lying to you. I've been on that road many, many times, and it's usually pretty dry and boring and, and, and so forth. But I have to tell you, if you have to drive I-5, now is the time to do it. All of the fruit trees and all of the nut trees 
were in full blossom. They all looked like they had a fresh coat of snow on every twig and every branch. It was truly amazing. The foothills that are always brown and ugly, the foothills were painted a lush green, and every once in a while the whole hillside would be covered with wildflowers like a shadow. It was spectacular. And uh, so we had about nine and a half or ten hours yesterday of just driving. And we were able to drive the speed limit from San Diego through millions of people in San Diego and Los Angeles and Orange County. We drove the speed limit all the way to Nevada. Figure that out. What's up with that? (laughs) And then it was stop and go with this metropolis we live in of Nevada and Petaluma. So uh, it's great to be back. And uh, there's a little travelogue from, from where we are. Now, but the biggest news, the biggest news of the week, you have to look at the video screens for this. The biggest news of the week, that is Landon Douglas Finkbeiner. He came on... Wednesday, March the 2nd, weighing 8 pounds and 8 ounces. So he made a big impression right from the start. And so Kevin and Maria and Maddie and Landon are at home recuperating. And uh, so, yeah, as a church, how great one of our staff members has a child. It just That's pretty cool stuff. So there's the really, really big news. Now for what I came to teach you this morning. Um, we're in the middle of a series of sermons called Level 4 Living. And really, Level 4 Living is about maximum life. And uh, in the first uh, sermons in this series had to do with God's design. Because there are certain things that you and I have to know and understand about following Christ. And if we don't understand how God has designed that to work and how he's designed it to operate and the context or the overall culture that he wants to bring into our lives so that we can be formed like Christ, then then we'll be misguided in this life. The second part of it that we've been focusing on for the last four weeks is our responsibilities. And we've talked about things like worship and community and service and, and, and those things. And today I'm going to talk to you about prayer and fasting and how those are our responsibilities and what they do in our lives. And then the next two weeks after that, we're going to be talking about the church's role. And, and so I want you to think of this as a stool that has three legs. And if you know anything about a three-legged stool, you know if it's missing one leg, how good is it? It's not good. It's not good for anything. It might as well be missing all three. And the truth is, God's design, can we count on that leg? It's always going to be there, right? Yes. Now, the other two legs are important for us because the truth is, God's design is there, and you could be sitting in the middle of a church that faithfully fulfills its role in your life. But if you don't fulfill your responsibilities, you're missing one leg of the stool. And so as we wrap it up this morning, I want to talk to you about things that sort of take our responsibilities in in the role of spiritual development and sort of wrap them all together. So let's begin with just a little bit of review. And the review begins with two principles. The first principle is this. 
That fullness of life is determined by our proximity to Christ. Now, that's a principle we've been teaching you all along. And earlier, Heather prayed and talked to us about the, talked to God about the blessings that He has in store for us. And this is not some health and wealth that if you come to church and you do certain things, and particularly if you give a certain amount of money, that you'll go out of here and God will multiply it ten times and you'll be fabulously wealthy and drive whatever kind of car you want to drive. There's no promise like that in Scripture. And if you ever turn on your TV and somebody tells you that over the TV, go find a better station. It's just not true. But God does want you and me to experience fullness of life. And I I so agree with what Heather was teaching you, and that is once you begin to taste Christ, and once you begin to taste a Christ-centered life, you want more of it. Because it feels There's no feeling that compares with that. Fullness of life is determined by our proximity to Christ. Now, the continuum that you see back there that's sort of stuck back in the corner, but I'm sure you can read it. What it means is that those of us who are in the stage where we're just exploring Christ, we haven't chosen to be a follower of Christ, but we're looking into it. Well, we get to experience level one living. We're more spiritually alive and we're experiencing more fullness of life than when we were living and we just really didn't care and we weren't looking. But once we decided to cross that line and become a follower of Christ, we now get to experience level two living, which means we get to grow in Christ because now we become a follower of Christ and he starts to work inside our lives and we begin to grow and change. But for many, just following Christ We want more. And so what we want to do is we want to press into Christ. We want to draw closer to Him. It's not enough just to be in the crowd that's back there somewhere. We want to be one of those people that we sang about where I want to lean on Him. And I want to be close enough to Christ that I can hear His heartbeat. Wow. Well, when we make that step, we decide to live close to Christ. We get to experience level three living. At level four living, which is the title of this uh, teaching series, is about those who have decided, I don't want to just be next to Christ. I want Christ to be the center of my life. I want to wake up every day knowing that this is a day that Christ has given me and we're going to live it together. And he's going to be the center of every decision that I make. I want my eyes to be the eyes of Christ We sang a song earlier in Hosanna that said, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah. Want to have the eyes of Christ? Want to have the ears of Christ? Want to have the heart of Christ? Want to have the mind of Christ? Now, friends, that's where fullness of life comes from. And that's that's a wonderful thing. Now, the second review principle is this. Spiritual practices, which is what we've been talking about over the last four weeks, spiritual practices are simply activities designed to bring us closer to Christ. I know you heard what Heather told you this morning as she was just sort of giving you her testimony that that the habit that she has decided to develop in 2011 is to read the entirety of Scripture in one year. And what did she tell us about that? 
as a result of that, she's getting to know God better than she ever has before. Why? Because when we decide to feed our souls and to feed our spirits on God's Word, which we talked about three or four weeks ago, when we decide to make that a spiritual practice, it is something designed to bring us closer to Christ. Now there's two additional benefits that come when we decide to participate in the spiritual practices that God has called us to. And the first is this, spiritual development. It would make sense that the closer we are to Christ, who is the source of life and the source of spiritual development, that the closer we draw to Him, the more that we would grow spiritually. But the part of it that might not be so obvious is the closer we are to Christ and the more that we are spiritually developed by Him and in Him, the greater our life gets, regardless of what happens to us. Whether we're sick or we're well, whether we're rich or we're poor, whether we're employed right now or unemployed right now, whether we own our home or we've lost our home through foreclosure, in the end, the closer we are to Christ, the more fullness of life we experience regardless. So this morning, I want to talk to you about fasting and prayer. We're going to talk about them individually, and we're going to start with prayer, okay? And I want, to teach you, I want to teach you one thing about prayer, and then I want to give you a question about prayer, and then we're going to look at four contexts of prayer. And we have a lot of stuff to cover, so here we go. The most important thing I could teach you about prayer is that prayer is the way we bond with God. I want you to read that out loud with me, would you please? Let's read it together. Ready? Prayer is the way we bond with God. When I interact with Christian people and, and, and talk with them about prayer, I discover that most Christians believe that prayer is more like a formal request made by the subject of a kingdom to the king than what God intended for it to be. See, God doesn't want you just to believe in Him. Or He doesn't want you just to rely on Him, although both of those are good, and He wants you to do both. He actually longs for you to bond with Him. Prayer is the way we bond with God. Now that leads to a very interesting question. And the question is this, how can I pray in a way that creates an active bond between God and me? Is that a fair question? That's probably a great question. How can I pray in a way, not just that I get what I want, not just how can I pray in a way that moves the finger of God, no, how can I pray in a way that creates an active bond between God and me? And I'm going to give you the four R's. Okay? So R number one, the context that you must pray in is the context of relationship. 
Now, here's what God says in the book of 2 Corinthians. God says, I will welcome you and be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. So I have a question to postulate for all of us. How do fathers bond with their sons and daughters normally? Well, I will tell you this. If there's no conversation, there's no bonding. Am I right about that? Yeah. The reason that God gives us this wonderful opportunity to pray is that He wants us to build a bond between Him and us. And He's no different than your earthly father or my earthly father. And that is, we build bonds through conversation and being together. And God says, I will welcome you and be a father to you. So when you go to God in prayer, don't go as the subject of a kingdom, as the citizen of a kingdom with a formal request for the president or the king. Because in prayer... Do you remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. What were the very first two words of that prayer? Our Father. Not our King, although He is King. But when we pray, we're not, we're not making a formal request of the King. We're bonding with our Father. By the way, this week, when you pray, evaluate your prayers in the light of relationship. Because you cannot build a relationship with God with a barrage of requests. That makes sense? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay? So the first R is relationship. The second R is this. It's revelation. Here's a great passage out of the book of Isaiah. Look what it says. He, that is God, will be gracious if you what? Ask for help. How would you do that, by the way? Would that not be in prayer? Sure. If you ask for help. Now notice what it says next. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Does that sound like a secure place to be? Have you ever wished that God was right here with a little voice? Saying right or left? Yeah. Friend, it's possible for you to have that tight a bond with God. Because I wrote this down in my notes. Prayer opens the door to God's revelation. Remember when you were a kid, you heard the story of Alibaba and the 40 thieves, and I won't tell you that whole story this morning. But if you remember in the story, there was a door to the treasure, to the cave where the treasure was stored, that the thieves stored their treasure. And what was it you had to say to get it open? Open sesame, right? And what did you have to say to get it closed? Closed sesame. Okay, we're simple, we're children. So here you go. Prayer is the open sesame to God's revelation. 
Now, trust me, you cannot bow your head and say, Dear God, open sesame. That's not going to work. Okay? But I want you to understand, you can stand outside the door of, of the treasure of God's blessings, and you can say whatever you want to say, but it's not until you decide to pray that that door is going to come open and God's going to reveal anything to you. The third R. Reliance. Here's what the Bible says. Cast all your anxiety on Him. That's Jesus because He cares for you. Have you ever asked yourself, how do you cast it? By the way, have you ever tried to just drop a care? Have you ever noticed how they climb back on your back? It's like you have a care magnet. And, and when you're carrying it and you think, oh, I'm just going to let this go. I'm just going to let this go. I know that's what God wants me to do. He just wants me to let it go. So I'm going to let it go. And the next thing you know, it's only back, it's bigger. Yeah. Well, now the Bible says very clearly that there's a way we can cast our anxiety and our cares. And friends, that's what prayer is. Kevin spoke to us a couple of weeks ago about how our nation was founded on the Declaration of Independence. That was, that was a great lesson. I, I want to give you the corollary to that, okay? Prayer is the Christian's declaration of dependence. Does that make sense? So when we come to God in prayer, it's time not just to drop our cares, it's time to cast our cares on Him. Now, that could be a whole sermon in and of itself. When I was a kid, we used to sing a little chorus called, Why Worry When You Can Pray? But usually how we live that out is, Why Worry When You Can Pray and Worry? Okay? It's not the idea. Okay? But there is a way that God has given us through prayer to cast our cares on Him and our anxieties. And I want to tell you, when you do that in the context of a relationship and you build an intentional bond, a friendship bond between your spirit and God's spirit, and when you cast your cares, there's an amazing peace that comes into your life. And it's a prerequisite for you to experience fullness of life. Because how are you going to have fullness of life when your heart is filled with worry and care? You can't. There's a fourth R, and here it is, requests. Now, here's what, Jesus, here's what J- Jesus' brother James said. You do not have because you do not ask God. And about half of the Christian world goes, Thank God that's not me. I asked for everything in sight. Okay, well then we need to read on for you. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your desires. Wow. Okay? I want us to think about that for a minute. If we pray in the context of a relationship, and if we pray relying on God, if we pray in the context of the first three R's, then we get the wonderful 
privilege of laying out our requests. You know why? Because is it not the nature of children to ask? Shake your head like this. Everyone who's ever had a kid knows it is the nature of children to ask. And guess what? It's the nature of fathers to give. Did you know that on Mother's Day, there are more phone calls placed on Mother's Day than any other day of the year? You probably knew that. Did you know that Father's Day holds a distinction of its own? There are more collect phone calls made on Father's Day (laughs) than any other day of the year. There's some irony in that, is there not? I want to teach you a lesson out of that. Did you know that every collect phone call begins with a request? I pick up the phone. Is this Mr. Hunt? Yes. Mr. Hunt, I have a collect phone call from Lisa Polo Georges. Will you accept it? That's my daughter. What am I going to say? You can't give me a circumstance when I wouldn't say yes. It's my daughter. And you know something? Whatever she would ask for, she would have my full consideration. Why? Because she's my daughter. It's the nature of fathers to want to give. Now she may ask me for something I can't give. Just like sometimes we ask God for things, not that he can't give, but he knows if he gives them to us, they wouldn't be good for us. So it doesn't mean he always says yes. But can I tell you that when you pick up the prayer phone and you say, Dad, are you there? What's the answer? It's always, yeah, I'm here. What's going on? And then we can give a request. So now that's prayer. Now let's talk about the flip side of this coin. Let's talk about fasting because they can often be combined together. And fasting is, you know, I'm, I'm interested, okay? And please don't look around the room to try to figure out who's spiritual and who isn't, all right? But I'm just interested in our audience this morning. How many of us have ever tried a fast? Okay? Maybe a quarter of our audience, maybe a third. Um, I want to introduce you to something this morning that I think is dynamite when it comes to spiritual development. So let's jump into fasting. And I wish I had time to pull out all the scriptures and give you all the scriptures, uh, but I'm just going to have to give you the principles this morning for the sake of time. Number one, fasting focuses and intensifies all the other spiritual practices. So you hear somebody say, um, well, we were in Disneyland uh, uh, earlier this week and we went to see the world of color. And if you've ever seen Fantasmic, then you, and, and now you see the world of color, you know that the world of color is like Fantasmic on steroids. Okay? And what I want you to understand, when you pray, prayer is powerful, but when you pray and fast, it's like prayer on steroids. Okay? When you feed your soul on God's Word, feeding your soul on God's Word is powerful, but when you feed your soul on God's Word while you're fasting, it's like a meal on steroids. It focuses and intensifies all the other spiritual practices. 
So that leads to a question, a very important one, and is that how can I fast in such a way that it accelerates my spiritual development? That's a great question. And just like we gave you the four R's on um, prayer, I'm going to give you four S's on fasting. Um, Interesting. I really didn't plan it that way. It's just how God gave it to me. So here you go. The first S is surrender. It's very important that you and I know and understand that if I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God like we sang about this morning and I want God to reveal something to me, whatever His will is for my life, what He wants me to do next in my spiritual development, the truth is, does God know up front whether you and I are going to surrender to it once He reveals it to us? Does He know that before? Yeah. Now, if you're God and you knew that, Would you have any reason to reveal something to someone when you knew they weren't going to surrender to it anyway? No. See, if you want fasting to work in your life, you have to go, what was the song that we sang this morning? All of me. Yeah, all of me. You have to start from a place of complete surrender. By the way, if you struggle with that, then fast for that purpose. Say, God, I'm struggling with surrender. So I'm here. I've decided not to eat this day, and I've decided to work, to have you work in my life on surrender. So that's the first thing is surrender. The second S is this. It's simplify. Have you ever been so busy in a day that you forgot to eat? I have. I've been so busy today I forgot to eat. Technically, I fasted. Was I a spiritual giant in that day? What do you think? Actually, on those days when I'm so busy that I don't eat, oftentimes I neglect the spiritual practices. Have you found that in your life? Yeah. Well, how are you going to grow grow spiritually if you neglect the spiritual practices? Going without food in the midst of busyness doesn't do anything. So I, I want to give you a couple of ideas. When you're going to fast, okay, then try to avoid as many distractions as possible. And you could figure that one out on your own. The second one I want you to consider, and that is try to set aside as many duties as possible. Okay, that means if you have children that you don't get up in the morning and announce to your spouse, I'm fasting today, the kids are on you. (laughs) However, if you spend all day taking care of kids, how's your fast going to go? Not very good, okay? So you need to plan ahead and, and, and work that out with your spouse and say, you know, on Friday afternoon or on Saturday morning or whenever it is, I want, I want to draw near to God during a time of fasting. And so let's talk about what does your schedule look like? What can we do with the kids? In other words, set aside as many duties as you can. Don't work overtime that day unless you absolutely have to. Even better yet, if you could take the day off or half the day off. So the first one is surrender. The second one is simplify. Okay? Let's take a look at number three. Number three is be specific. If you fast out of habit, there were religious leaders in Jesus' day, and they fasted once or twice or three times a week. 
Can I tell you that if you're fasting three times a week, it's not doing anything for you? It's just a way of life now. There's nothing special about that. And Jesus got on them about that. Said, hey, that's not going to do any good. Have a specific purpose. I mentioned a while ago, if you're having trouble surrendering, take a day and fast over that and pray over that and ask God to help you with surrender. If you've got a major decision to make in your life, spend some time fasting and praying. I'll be really honest with you. Monica and I fasted and prayed over each of our children at different stages of their growth and development. And when they struggled with something, it didn't make any difference to me if they were 6 or 16 if I saw them struggling with something and they, and they just couldn't get on top of it, then, then Monica and I did two things. Number one, the two of us would fast and pray for that child. And then secondly, we would go to the child and we would get the child out of bed five minutes early every single day during that time. And the first thing we would do is get down on our knees beside their bed and we would take that to God in prayer. Yeah. Have a purpose in it. Number four, solitude. Generally speaking, the more solitude that you have during your time of fasting, the greater the focus and the greater the intensity of it. Put it just that simply. So there you have it. That's a real short course. We could do a whole series of sermons on both of those. But there's a real short course on on prayer and on fasting. I want to close with one final thought. The final thought is this. In both prayer and fasting, number one has to precede numbers two, three, and four. If you think you can be effective in praying to God and all you do is go with a bunch of requests, i got news for you. That's probably not going to work. And if you think you can fast and all you're going to do is have solitude, you're just going to be lonely. Okay, It's not going to work. Number one, the surrender has to come before the solitude. And in prayer, the relationship has to come before the requests. And I want to I give you one story. A few years ago, Monica and I moved to Honolulu. And when we moved to Honolulu, we discovered a whole circle of friends that we never knew we had. My phone would ring, Hey, Brother Ron! I know I haven't seen you in years. How are Monica and the kids? Oh, they're doing great. They're doing great. Oh, yeah. We always thought you and Monica would be good parents. By the way, we were able to save up enough airline miles that my wife and I have a free round-trip deal to, to Hawaii. Would it be possible for us to come and crash at your house for a week or two? I had friends I never knew I had. You know, for a little while, I got to experience, I think, what God experiences all too often with us. I know, God, I haven't talked to you very much recently. And I know I haven't been doing what I should be doing. But God, I'm in a really tight space. Is there a way you could? Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But you get the point, right? Before we go to God with requests or to try to cast our care on Him and and those things, it's important for us. What's the purpose of prayer? Prayer is the way we what? Bond with God. And what does fasting do? 
it focuses and intensifies all the other spiritual practices. I want to give us three ways to apply what we've talked about this morning. First one is, I'm choosing today to become a Christian. We talked about stepping across the line from level one to level two. And every Sunday at New Life, we want to give that invitation and we want to give that encouragement. If you've been checking out Christ and, and, and you know, okay, I'm on board, I really want to get on board with Jesus, then we want to give you the opportunity so you can check that. If you take your, uh, on the inside of your program, there's a card. Um, it's long and skinny and it, and it says connect on one side and then, it, then on the other side there are places for you to check boxes. Two things, uh, first of all, for all of us, let's take a moment and put our name and our email address on the front side of that card. That's our opportunity to connect with you. And I hope you can tell from our service this morning that we're not pushy, we're not going to sell your address to anybody, but we're dead serious about people making spiritual progress, and we want to we partner with you in any way that we can to help you grow and develop spiritually to get next to Christ. And so if you'll trust us with your name and, and your email address, that at least gives us a point of contact with you. The rest of us who come here all the time, we do that all the time. Now, flip the card over, and on the back, there's, there's a place that says Next Steps. So if you choose to become a Christian today, then check that little circle. The second one is, I will pray through this order of prayer three times this week. You know what I mean by the order of prayer? That's the four R's, right? That started with relationship and ended with requests. So what I'm suggesting is that before you just bow your head and start rambling, that you start with building your relationship with God and then proceed all the way down so that the last thing you do is lay out requests before God. And then the third thing is I will reserve one evening or one morning this week for the purpose of intensifying my prayer time that day. How are you going to do that? Through fasting. Okay? If you're willing to make that commitment and walk that journey with God, then we give you that opportunity this morning. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.